And if you'll turn to the epistle of Jude, please. The epistle of Jude. While you're looking it up, last week we looked at the way of Cain. This evening, with God helping us, we're going to look at the error of Balaam. And then, God willing, next week we will look at the again saying of Korah. So it's three infamous men. This is part two. Jude, please, verse 11. There only is one chapter in Jude. Verse 11, reading onwards. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds are they without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of the saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts and their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. And unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we ask you this evening again that you would speak to our hearts, that you would move upon us for your glory and that thy son would be exalted. If there's one or some in here tonight who are not yet saved, have not yet been to the cross, and have not yet repented of their sin, and been washed by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you tonight, Lord, that thy blessed spirit, that he would move upon hearts tonight, speaking and drawing and quickening those, Lord, who need, Lord, to come to faith in Christ. 
So, Father, to that end, bless your people, encourage us, and, and help us, we pray, this evening to the glory of thy most wonderful, holy, mighty, and precious name. Amen. Amen. So last week, as we said, it was the way of Cain. Part one was the way of Cain. This evening is the error of Balaam. Let's look at verse 11, please, of our reading. Verse 11, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Now take note, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. And ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. The term ran greedily really needs looked at. The term ran greedily is a word, akeko, akeko. And it means to pour out, to pour out, or to gush forth. It can mean to shed or to spill out as though gushing forth. And Jude says there are those who have crept into the early church. There are those who are in society and they are, as it were, gushing out, pouring forth, running greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. To understand what they mean by running greedily after the error of Balaam, we must first understand more of the strength of this word that Jude tells us. Will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 23, please? Matthew chapter 23. The Lord Jesus, in this chapter, gives eight woes. Eight woes. And they are to the leaders of Jewry, J-E-W-R-Y. The leaders of the Jews, to the scribes and to the Pharisees, to the false religion of the day, and to become antichrist. And of course, it's they who call for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives eight woes to them in this chapter. Thinking of the woe that Jude gives us, he talks about the woe he starts verse 11 with about those who have gone after the way of Cain, ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Woe to them, Jude says, and listen to what the Lord Jesus said and his woes. He says, if you just let your eye run down, we can't go through all of these woes because there will be far too many. But verse 29 is the last woe of the chapter. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. In other words, they're saying, ah, if we had have been around in times gone by when they slew the prophets, when they slew the men of God who brought the word of God. We would not have had any part of it. And the Lord Jesus says, woe unto you because you're no different. It's maybe a man or a woman here would say, now, if I was in the days of Jesus, 
If I lived in the days of Jesus in Jerusalem, I would have taken no part with it when they cried for his death. I'd have taken no part of it whenever the Romans were going to crucify him. Friend, that's what Jesus said these Pharisees would say. And he says, woe unto you because you're no different. Notice what he says in verse 30. And say, if we had have been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. Now notice, fill up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? I take note of this strong words. This is the words of Christ. This isn't the words of a prophet. And it's not the words of a preacher. It's not the words of this man either. Today in, the, in modern society, if we use words like this to people, well, you're not being Christ-like and you're too harsh. And if we use words like this, you shouldn't use those words. They're not politically correct today. And so we are to soft soap the gospel uh, to have teachers having given the people their itch and ears to pat them on the back to make them feel better, feel better and more comfortable in their sin. More comfortable in their sinful ways. But the Lord Jesus Christ used these words and he called them, notice, he called them serpents and a generation of vipers in fact, he said in another place, ye are of your father, the devil. That is the old serpent called the devil and Satan. And hence, Jesus looks at these religious men. I'm speaking to a religious person tonight. A religious person. Jesus looked at the religious men of the day and he says, woe unto you. And it's the eighth woe in a row up to now in this one chapter. He says, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Friend, I want to ask you tonight, how do you feel you can escape the damnation of hell? The only way for a man and a woman to escape the damnation of hell is to put their full trust in the Son of God, in the blood that he shed, the finished work on the cross, and that that alone is enough. Enough, nothing to add, nothing to give, no good works, religion, or anything else, but to fully rely on the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, who died in your place. That's the only way a man and a woman can escape the damnation of hell. Verse 34, notice what he says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Now take note that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias, whom ye slew. Notice whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Now, the men that Jesus is speaking to personally did not slay them. 
It was the fathers. It was those who rejected Christ in the years gone by. In other words, the sin of the father was on them. The religion of the father was on them. The ways of their fathers were on them. Can I ask you tonight, friend, and if you be honest with yourself and before God tonight, how are you leading, brother, sister, how are you leading your children in the ways of the Lord? Do you know what's wrong with the once evangelical Ulster, now far fallen away from Christ? Do you know what's wrong? What happened? Generation after generation stopped sending their children to children's meetings and Sunday schools because they themselves did not want to know the Lord, because they themselves were not saved and didn't want the conviction of the heart, because they themselves were opposed to the Word of God. And from generation to generation, it gets less and it gets less. And once this land that was blessed by the hand of God has now fallen away far from God. And I mentioned it this morning, I'll mention it again. When you can see those in their liberal ideology, the Marxists who for two years wanted you locked up and bound up, being voted into power. Just yesterday at the finishing line of it, when you see it in our land, it's a It's the fruit of our labors or or our lack thereof that Christ no longer is held in high esteem among the people of this land. And so God is going to give us wicked leaders. You see, he says, my people love to have it so. Wicked leaders who will slay a child up to birth because they have a cleft palate and a cleft lip. Because they have a club foot. Because they have a disability. Yes, it's passed in Northern Ireland. It's already passed. Oh, but how is it so ironic that those who brought forth the motion ended up getting put out of their seat? Isn't that true? Brothers and sisters, this evening we can see what is happening to our land and the wickedness that has come into it. It's all because we have stopped, stopped loving the Lord. American pastor was here not so long ago, Pastor Rusty sitting in the car with him one day, driving to one of the preaching engagements, he turned to me and he says, Pastor Ken and that Texas brogue, he says, you know something? We in America had such hopes for your people. We in the United States held Jews in a high esteem for the gospel. He said, we had hopes in you because you stood firm. There was none of these things in our nation or our land in Northern Ireland. There was none of it. And he says, we had high hopes for you and now our hopes are dashed. That was his words to me. Our hopes have been dashed. 
Because the way Northern Ireland has fallen. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 35, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. What generation? The generation listening to him. He says, you have done this and you have rejected what I will do. You'll reject my cross work. You'll reject my blood. The father says, you're rejecting my son and you, Jerusalem, so-called holy city of God, will become the unholy city of the devil in the rejection of the Son of God. Now listen to what Jesus says. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Prophet after prophet has come to Jerusalem. And now the greatest prophet, the Son of God, the eternal deity in in flesh. God's only begotten, one and unique Son has come. Verse 38, listen to what he says. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Behold, your house, Jerusalem, is left unto you desolate. In other words, the house he means The temple. What is left of the remnant of the house of Judah of the day? He says, your house is left unto you desolate. AD 70, Titus comes and destroys the temple. I wonder what part Northern Ireland is at now after what has happened with our sin with the sin of the people of our land. And it's become so low now. That which is good is now evil. That which is evil is now good. Notice it's verse 35, that upon you might come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. The word shed here is the word akeho, for it's the same word that Jude uses for ran greedily. It's the same word. For ran greedily. You know, when we look at this between the righteous blood of Abel, we spoke about it last week, how Cain killed Abel. You see, Abel's blood cried unto the Lord. The wickedness of innocent blood cries unto the Lord. Zacharias, will you turn with me? The Second Chronicles 24, please. Second Chronicles chapter 24. I know, folks, this may not be easy listening, but it's the truth of where our land is tonight, of where our people are tonight. 
Zechariah, please, chapter 24. And let your eye run right down to near the end, please. Let's just go to verse 20. The Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Listen. Britain, United Kingdom's prosperity doesn't lie in the British government. Our prosperity doesn't lie in Westminster. The Republic of Ireland doesn't lie in the Doyle in Dublin. The United States doesn't lie. Their prosperity doesn't lie in a, a remake of Donald Trump. The prosperity of the people of the nation's lies when they turn to God. When they turn again and repent, repentance in the church, repentance in the individual heart, and even repentance from the queen and the British government, the wickedness that they have brought into our lands, the vileness, the vileness of it. Can you think about this? sitting in Westminster and one man's looking at pornographic images on his phone? What sort of nation are we now? What sort of people have we become? The outcries in the media, oh yes, they just want to get the tasty and the juicy bits out of it and the bad news to sell more. But what about the people of God? What about the church? It's just okay, well, oh, well, he's done wrong now, and that's it. How can a man like that sit in government? You see, everything has been sanitized. Sanitized where that which was once evil is now good. Verse 20 says, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper because ye have forsaken the Lord? Notice, He hath also forsaken you. I think that's frightening. He hath also forsaken you. Notice, and they conspired against him, that is against Zedekiah, and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. And Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when he had died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require it. The Lord look upon it and require it. You see, brothers and sisters and friends, here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. Abel's blood cried from the ground. The innocent blood cries unto God. And Zacharias, or Zechariah, he was a prophet of the Lord, bringing the word of God, and they stoned him to death. And Jesus remembered it, because here in this passage, you know what it says? It says that they did not remember what his father had done for the good. 
They forgot all about the good times, the blessed times, the prosperous times. And when he was dying, he said, Lord, look upon it and require it. Now Jesus is sitting hundreds of years later and he says to the Jews, he says, your house is left only a desolate because you've slew the blood from Abel to Zacharias the prophet. In other words, the blood from all the prophets, all the leaders that flowed from their veins and stained the ground, all the men of God that you killed, that you sawed asunder, the men of God that you hung, drawn, and quartered, the men of God that you stoned to death, and their blood stained the floor of the ground. He said, now unto you, you'll reject me, and the blood is gushing out on you. That's what it means. They ran greedily after the error of Balaam. It's the same word. And the Lord says, the blood that was shed will be paid by you. In Matthew 26 and 28, and in Mark 14 and 24, <coughs> this is what the Lord Jesus said as he broke bread. This is, my, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. <coughs> this is my blood, which is shed. It's the same word, acheo, ran greedily. This is my blood, which will be poured out freely. This is my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I'm glad I am one of the many. I'm glad in a world of darkness and a world of sin and a nation that's going to hell in a handcart, I'm glad that I'm one of the many. I'm glad I'm washed in the blood. The blood of Christ speaks louder than all of the blood that was shed. And rejection of the blood of Christ means you will stand like he has said to the Jews here that you will stand for the rejection of his blood. Notice here, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But Luke 22 and 20, the Lord Jesus says, Luke tells us, this is my blood, which is shed for you. I love that bit. This is my blood, which is shed for you, Ken. This is my blood, which is shed for you, Billy. This is my blood, which is shed for you, Teresa. We could go on and we could go on. And we could go on in here tonight. The blood of Christ. The precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shed for guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinners. This word, acheo, for they ran greedily to pour out, to shed forth. For example, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, the Lord says, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. It's the same word as he pours out his blood. So he pours out his spirit. And then in verse 18, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Again, the pouring out is like, they ran greedily to the negative. And in Acts 2 and verse 33, it says, he hath shed forth this. When they all come out of the upper room, they thought they were drunk and they're all speaking with other tongues as the spirit give them utterance. People looked at them and heard them and some says, here I hear them in my language and I hear them in mine. 
But there is their speaking, uh, those words which could not be uttered for a heavenly language had come upon them. This is what he says. This here, <laughs> this here is, is what he has shed forth, the Spirit of God. And so the word Achaeo, which Jude uses, have run greedily after the error of Balaam, is used in a negative context and for the bad. There are those who come in and as freely as Christ has shed his blood, as greatly as Christ has shed his blood, and as much as Christ has poured out of his spirit, so are those who run greedily after the error of Balaam. Strange, in, in Thayer's Greek lexicon, I thought this was tremendous. <coughs> Excuse me. In Thayer's Greek, the term ran greedily here, or the word acheo, listen to what he says it means. It is used of those who give themselves up to a thing. I want you to catch this. It is used to those who give themselves up to a thing, to rush headlong into it. There are people in our nation, there's people in Stormont, there's people in our governments, there's people even bowing down in their churches, and you know what they're doing? They give themselves up to another thing, and they're falling or rushing headlong into it, and sometimes they'll fall down into the precipice. There are men and women unsaved and don't know Christ and they will fall down into the precipice of hell. You know, Balaam, this man, Peter speaks of him in 2 Peter 2 and verse 15. Peter speaks of the likes such as Jude speaks of. If you want to turn, you can turn with me. 2 Peter Chapter 2, please. And verse 15. Listen to what he says. He speaks before this of those who are brute beasts, speaking evil of things eyes full of adultery and I cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls in verse 14. Notice what verse 15 says, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Take note, these are wells without water. Clouds are they with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Notice this, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because Balaam is mentioned in the context of this. And we will look at how Balaam uses the lust of the flesh to tear Israel away and to bring them down. For when they speak great swelling words, words of vanity, they allure them through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. 
So here, Peter speaks of this man, Balaam. In other words, they follow most assiduously the ways of Balaam. That's what he's saying. In other words, meticulously and careful to rush headlong after it. So meticulous and so careful in what they're doing. Do you ever wonder why the, this antichrist spirit of liberalism, this antichrist spirit, they hate the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about them all. What have they got in common, all of these other parties and peoples? All these political programs. What have they got in common? Their common denominator is this, is that they hate the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What has the Greens got to do with the alliance or alliance with Sinn Féin or Sinn Féin with SDLP or the Ulster Unionists and so on? What has they got together? I'll tell you what they got together. They hate Christ. taken away by the lusts of their own flesh. They hate the gospel. Notice here, brothers and sisters, they follow most assiduously the way of Balaam, it means meticulous in their programming and what they're going to do to gather together in order that they may follow it hard. Peter says, you watch out for them because many of them will even say they believe in Christ. It means to tread in one's steps, to imitate one's way of acting. Balaam was a harling prophet who commercialized his gift. Balaam was a prophet for profit. The wages of unrighteousness. Do you hear me? Balaam was a prophet. P-R-O-P-H-E-T for prophet. P-R-O-F-I-T. Balaam was in it for the income, not the outcome. Balaam was in it for what he could get out of it and not what he could put into it. Can you turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, please? Revelation chapter 2. This is the, the, the Lord Jesus, the risen Christ, the exalted Christ. And he's writing seven letters from heaven. He's given John the vision. And he writes seven letters to seven churches in Asia Minor. Also seven periods of time through church history. And this is a church at Pergamos. You see the church at Pergamos? He says, I know where Satan's seat is. We haven't time to read it. You read that when you go home. The Lord Jesus says, I know where Satan's seat is. And see the leader of Pergamos. He was known at this time called Attalus III. Attalus III. And when Babylon and the mysteries of Babylon was stretching around the whole of the Middle East and so on, they, they fled because of different nations coming in. For example, the Babylonians in the, the Chaldeans and then Alexander the Greek and the Roman army came in after that through time. And they fled and they went to Pergamos. 
and they took the mystery religions of Babylon to Pergamos and they gave or bequeathed, bequeathed all of their, their titles onto the King Atlas III. Do you know what he was called? Pontifex Maximus, the bridge builder. And the Lord Jesus says, I know where Satan's seat is. The mysteries of Babylon. I notice this. Chapter 2, please, and let your eye run down to verse 12. And unto the angel of Pergamos write these things, saith he, which hath a sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and that thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in, the, in, in those days where Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because that thou, <clears throat> thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed on the idols and to commit fornication. Remember the loss of the flesh you spoke about. This is what the Lord is saying. Do you ever wonder if Jesus just lived his life in Bethlehem onward, how did he know these things? He knew them because he was the God of the Old Testament. That's how he knew. And he says, listen, Israel were lured away by Balaam through Balak. He hired him. Balak hired him. You'll read it from Numbers chapter 22 into 25. And then if my memory serves me right in, you'll read it in Numbers 36. He keeps trying to cast a spell, as it were, or a curse upon Israel, upon the nation, upon the people wandering in the wilderness. And Balak is the king of Moab. And so he's given them money, cast a spell upon them. Curse them that this nation will die. The Lord Jesus is looking back all of those years and saying, this is what happened. He's saying to those in Pergamos, listen, don't be lured away by the same methods that Balaam tried. Don't allow them to draw you away. Notice, if you will, when you let your eye run down again with me, please, to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20. Now is the Lord Jesus is writing, and he says again, or John is writing, and Lord Jesus is dictating this letter, the risen Christ is, to Thyatira, this is further on in time. This is when the, the Roman Catholic Church started to come out, started to, to build, and it means ruled by a woman. Notice what he writes in verse 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess. Notice, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. See the word here for fornication. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 17, please. 
Now notice this. You jot on the top of your, your, your Bible there on chapter 17. Right, ecclesiastical Babylon. It went from Pergamos to Rome, the Roman emperors. And then it came through when the papal church came out. And then it came on through to where we're living today and all of these ungodly things that are happening around us today. Notice this, what it says here in chapter 17, please. And let your eye run down. We'll just do verse two. In fact, let's just read one and two. And there came one of the seven angels which had seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Notice fornication is mentioned again here. Chapter 18, please. You can write here, economical Babylon, the world banking system, the world's banking system, those who are the elitists, those who are the high-ranking officials who are having their closed meetings, deciding what's next as a game of chess on the earth. They're dealing with whether it's to do with uh, cryptocurrency to our very money of our currency. Now start wars over it and then we pay for the debt of it. All the control the earth. And it's an economical Babylon. Let your eye please run down just to verse 3 for time's sake. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And with the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. This speaks about the trade of the land. The trade of the nations. Listen, do you ever wonder why everything's went up in price? Just months ago, you were told you were getting a hundred pound each for nothing. And everybody was great. This is fantastic. We're getting a hundred pound each. You're paying for it now. You're paying for it now. And I'll tell you another thing. You'll continue to pay for it and it'll get worse. You know why? Because these elitists have got their claws into the people because they realize they can manipulate them and can control them. But the word of God says it's going to collapse. It's going to come down. Notice here, if you will, in verse 9 of chapter 18, please. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament her, and they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off from the fear of her torment. Alas, alas, that great city, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth her merchandise anymore. Babylon the great, all of the elitists and all the greedy bankers, the Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers and the Soros and all of them who are manipulating the world. 
You talk about slavery. I said this years ago, and a few people tackled me on it, but I'm going to tell you what I said then, I'm going to tell you it again. Every single one of you are a slave to the system. Every one of you. We're all a slave to the system. But here's the thing. The Word of God tells us about it, and the Word of God says her judgment is coming, and the Word of God says it's going to collapse because of her fornication. The word fornication is a word, porn you all. It's where we get pornography from. Porn you all. In other words, the Lord looked upon how we were creating and, and making things ourselves, as it were, in, in the economic realm. How these people, we were, we were trading with them and allowing them to guide us so freely until they become slaves. Religiously, we were allowing ourselves to come into a, a, a ecumenism, worshiping with everyone who is not a biblical Christian. And the Lord says, you are like porn addicts. That's the idea of it. Spiritual porn addicts. And you're a porn addict of the things of the world. That's what the Word of God calls it. It's not any wonder that God will tear it down. Do you know what that means? It means to prostitute oneself. To give oneself over to an unlawful intercourse, spiritually or physically. To permit oneself to be drawn away by another into idolatry. Idolatry just isn't a bound at a statue, you know. Idolatry isn't just you bowing down for veneration to help you at a statue. Idolatry is that which takes the place of Christ. Money can be idolatry. Your family can be your idolatry. Your work can be your idolatry. Everything coming in the place of Christ before Christ. And the Lord says, it's like watching someone commit pornography to me. Listen, this isn't just a, a Catholic thing or a Protestant thing. This is a global thing. This is, this is the way the world is today. How do we receive our emancipation? How do we receive our emancipation from this ungodliness which Jude speaks about that commits ungodly acts and ungodly deeds? How do we receive our emancipation when it seems like whether it's in our government or wherever else that wickedness is abounding everywhere? Keep yourself pure. Unspotted from the world. Trusting in the blood of Christ. It's the only way. Trust in the blood of Christ.
And so sometimes we say, you know, but boy, we're getting a tight religion or pardon me, Christians are being born again believers, those who want to stand for the word. There's many that say they're born again Christians. I understand what they mean. But at some, I don't want to be cruel, but at some airy, furry, there's no grounding, there's no solidity, there, there's, no, there's no word in it. It's all, it's, all, it's all emotionalism and fakeism. There's no strength in it. uneducated as to the Word of God, unread. Don't lift the Word and study it. They don't become to somewhere and, 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 and go to somewhere where they'll be taught the Word of God, where they'll hear the Word of God, where God tells them through the preaching of the Word. It's, it's fanciful stories and bless me days and 10 ways to have a blessed day and your greatest life now. If this is my greatest life now, then it means I'm not going to heaven. Think about it. If this is your greatest life now, friend, that means you're not going to heaven because it has to be worse when you go to hell. Now, if it's your worst life now, then you need to know Christ that you'll enter heaven. have to round this up. Balaam has paid wages to curse Israel. <laughs> I'll tell you, someday, I don't know whether it's this side of eternity or the other side, but we'll find out who's been paying wages and receiving wages to curse our land. Our people. And when Baal, Balaam went, there's actually seven times through the chapters he goes, and every time he goes, he comes back again. And he says that in Numbers 23 and verse 8, How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? <laughs> or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? Every time he went, you know why? Because the chapter says the Lord got him, first of all, to make a sacrifice of animals before he spoke to him. And what he didn't realize was the Lord was setting him up, as it were. The Lord was setting an ambush for Balaam and his, thinking he's so clever and so smart. And the Lord looked at Israel. He's seen them. He's seen them under the blood. He's seen them under the blood. And it's only when we're under the blood, the enemy may try to curse you, but he cannot curse that which God has blessed. So he thinks to himself, what am I going to do? Maybe you're thinking, I, I, I've got it tight recently. What am I going to do? Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus himself. Matthew 5 and 11 Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil falsely against you for my sake. See that verse, see, five years ago. Just as we were about, more or less just, our, our Christ Encounters Tabernacle is to the date, I think it was, was it Wednesday? Thursday was five years old. So it was about five years ago or so, 
And I remember I was coming under, one or two people know, but they don't know to the ex- most people don't know to the extent. I was coming under a barrage of attack from everybody. I had even a Church of Ireland minister walk right into the church and tell me to get out of Guildford. You're not wanted here. Church of Ireland minister, right into the building, get out. You're not wanted here. Different churches not wanting us to come preach the gospel. Anyhow, I was reading, and as you come under pressure one time, I don't know how many times I have read Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11, but it jumped out at me. You thought it was a neon lights sitting in my car, sitting and says, Lord, I just want to read for a while. I can't even get my head straight. It seemed like the world was against us. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Jumped at me. Jumped at me. And I says, Lord, you're telling me that I'm blessed every time they attack me. Every time they attack me, you will bless me. I might have to go through it, but you'll bless me every time they attack me. Lord, let them bring it on then. Let them bring it on. You see, Balaam couldn't curse God's people. Because they were under the blood. Because they were under the blood. Let me tell you a quick story before I close this. Ten years ago, 2012, the last weekend in July, the church I was in, there was small at the time, we did grow afterwards, but it was small at the time, and we felt led to try and get a tent and have a tent mission. And so we, we asked the school in the village to we use their gravel pitch for a tent, and after a while, we got permission to do so from the, from the education board, and it went from there to we had a tent to a little bit of a bigger one. It would hold 200 people, maybe. And it was meant to be the army was giving us it. And then this guy who was getting it for me came back and says, we can't get the tent because the army were out in exercise in Cyprus and they drove a tank over the top of it. I said, well, I hope there's nobody in it when they done that. So that was that tent out of the way. We ended up with a tent, something similar to this, but with a, a sprung wooden floor, maybe a little bigger even than this. There's maybe 40 in the church at the time. No money. In fact, we had debt. We opened up and we ended up, we had Friday night youth meeting. Saturday night we had a meeting. Sunday night we had a gospel service. We had 800 chairs out. Now in here there's about 400 and, what is it? About 450 chairs out here. So you're talking almost twice. And I thought, how are we ever going to fill this? So we put them out anyway. 
And I was thinking, we'll have our own little church service in it at night and stay there. We're going to pray for the sick and have a healing service afterwards. Now, I'm not going to go into all that. I'm going to talk about that another time. And that night, every single one of the 800 chairs were taken up for the gospel service. Every one of them were taken up. Someone was sitting in a seat and people were saved. We had a healing service. There were people were healed and it was tremendous the things that happened there. Talk about it another time. But on the Sunday after, pardon me, the Tuesday after, pardon me, we finished our Bible study. Myself and another fellow and we're about to go out and this car pulls up to the door and this man who came to the church came in with a, a young woman, good looking young good woman, long dark hair, she was a long-lost daughter. He didn't even know she had existed until not so long before this. And as he brought her in, he said, she was at the meeting on Saturday or Sunday night. And I says, hello, how are you? And he says, I didn't know she hardly existed. And I brought her out on Sunday night, first time in a gospel service. But what I didn't realize, she's my daughter and she is a practicing witch in England. She said, okay. So we brought her in, just sitting at the back, one of the back pews. He was the ones you come in the door. Now we started talking to her and the more we talked about Christ, the angrier she got. And this was her words to me. She said, when you were preaching on Sunday night, I was sitting trying to throw hexes curses at you. She was on, I remember sitting on, say, the second row. And I was sitting, cursing you up and down, asking for the power of Satan to come on you. I knew nothing about this, by the way. I said, and what happened? She says, every time I went to do it, it was as though they bounced back onto me. And I couldn't curse you. Why are you here then tonight, I said. She says, I don't know. I haven't been able to sleep since it. Just like that. Her eyes went like black pools of ink. Boom. She got violent and angry, hissing, spitting, clawing at me, trying to bite me. She says, in the name of Jesus, you leave her alone. She changed like this. She left. I think it was about a fortnight later, with a Bible under her arm, saved by the grace of God, washed in the blood, and she says, I'm away to evangelize England. Balaam tried to curse Israel, but they were under the blood. And they were God's people. Church, where are we tonight that our nation is such a bad state? Let me finish with this. In Numbers 25 and verse 1, it says, And Israel abode in Sittim, and all the people began to commit whoredom. Take note, the fornication, the whoredom.
These were non-Israelite women. Balaam had a thought, I can't curse them, but what I can do is I can entice them. I can tempt them. I can cause them to sin, but I can't curse them in it. And Israel abode and Sidon, and all the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. Verse 2, and they called the people to the sacrifices of their gods. What were they doing? They were committing adultery before the Lord. The pornuo, the fornication that our nation is committing before God. The fornication, the, the pornuo that even the church, many church people and church assemblies are committing. Ecumenical worship. And the Lord looked at it as he looked at this. And it was the only way that they could get Israel to sin. And what was the only way they could get an Israel, Britain to sin? How could they do it? Cause them to commit fornication with the nations of the world. And spiritually, they bring every, God, every man and his idol in to our land. Chapter 31, I said 36, it's, it's 31. Chapter 31, behold these, that's the Moabite women, caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. What is the way, the error of Balaam? Balaam was paid. Balaam was a man who wanted the money. The profiteer took the things of God and made rubbish of it and caused the nation, caused the people to fornicate spiritually and physically with other nations of the world and spiritually before God with other religions of the world. As I say to you tonight, they ran greedily after the air, headlong, they're running like that. That's Think about it. Think about it. Is our nation not like that? Do you not see the people in our street like that? Do you not see the people when you see them and, and the way their heart is and the way evil is good and good is evil? When all these lobbyist groups have arisen and been paid off by communist ideology groups and, and, and those who have, are rich and oligarchs and, and elitists, they're actually paid by them. They're paid by them. Can you not see it? Every time I see it, I'm saying, Lord, is anybody else seeing this? Brothers and sisters, I want you to know this book is more up to date than the local newspaper. This book is more up to date than social media. I want to tell you, friend, if you're not saved, this book is more up to date to tell you that if you're not saved, you must be born again. So what do we do? Pray for our land. Pray for peace in our land. 
But pray that there be repentance of people from every persuasion, from every background, repentance before God. God bless you tonight. That was a heavy one, wasn't it? Boy, silence. Silence in here. You can hear, you know, say they talk about the sound of silence. You can feel silence, can't you? It's like every single heart here, you can hear it beating. Boom, 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 boom. Every one of you, you can feel it, you can hear it. Because God is speaking. If you're not saved tonight, will you see me? Don't leave without Christ. I can't save you, but I'll point you to the Savior. May God bless you. Team, would you come up, please? Time's gone.